0: Thank you, Jesus. <laughs> thank you, Lord. We, we praise you, God. <coughs> we thank you, Father, for having first given your life for us, for sending your Son to die, sending your Son to die in excruciating death on the cross and who rose again on the third day. Father, in response to that, Lord, we offer our bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable unto you, which is our reasonable act of worship. God, I ask today that you would join in our gathering, Lord, that you would walk amongst us, that you would make your abode amongst us, that you would make your dwelling amongst us, Lord. We desire for the manifestation of your glory, we desire, Lord, for the manifestation of your anointing. We desire, O Lord, for the manifestation of your uh, fire, Lord, that would burn up all the dross in us, that would burn up, O Lord, all that is unchristlike in our members, Lord, and that you would perfect, O Lord, your character in us, God. We ask, Lord, that you would speak this day, that you would grant, Lord, the unction, Father of the Holy Ghost, to speak to minds and speak to hearts, that you would provide direction, that you would provide reproof, (coughs) that you would provide, O Lord, um, all that is necessary, or that you would comfort the afflicted and that you would afflict, Lord, all who are comfortable. Father, may your two-edged sword go forward, and cut out everything in our lives, O oh Lord, that, do not, that does not resemble you. Father, may we not be able to dodge your word. Your word says that uh, your word is living and active, sharper than any two-edged sword, dividing both soul and spirit, dividing both bone and marrow. It is the discerner of the hearts. So God, we ask that nothing in all of creation will be hidden, Lord, from your sight, to whom we must do. God, we ask in Jesus' name, <coughs> not for mere uh, intellectualization, God, but for the expounding of your holy word. Hallelujah. May the scriptures come alive. May they speak to our spirit. And Father, may we, we not be of a proud disposition, unable to hear your, your spirit, unable to hear your word, unable, Lord, and unwilling to hearken unto the voice of the Holy Spirit. Lord, like your word says in Hebrew, if you hear his voice today, harden not your hearts. <coughs> Lord, may our hearts be soft. Hallelujah. And may the seed of the word that's sown into our hearts, Lord, may it germinate. May it come to fruition, O Lord. May it redound to much fruit, God, born in our lives. Hallelujah. Father, I ask that you would grant me help, that you would grant me assistance, that you would assist me, O Lord, during this time, uh, during this gathering, O God. Hallelujah. Like your word says, man moved by the, moved, were, uh, men who were moved by the Holy Ghost spoke, may I be moved by your spirit, nothing less, Lord, we ask, in Christ's name we pray, amen and amen, (coughs) hallelujah, thank you, Jesus, hallelujah, Amen. You know, we, we need the Holy Ghost. And I, I say this often, I'll say it again. I'll say it until I'm blue in the face, but we need the Holy Ghost. If we don't have the Holy Spirit, we ain't got nothing. You know, if we don't have the Holy Spirit, all we have is a social club. We have a social club. We have a so, a religious social gathering that is devoid of God himself. You know, and I, I, I know that... Uh, I know I might offend people and I I don't know who I may offend, but I I say a lot of things on, on social media, but I'm sure I offend some when, when, um, you know, I, I, I speak against a lot of this entertainment that we see in the house of God, you know, what Mike taught the guy, all he does is illustrate and never demonstrates anything. Um, and people say, oh, that's not kind. Jesus wouldn't say that, you know, Jesus said worse things than me. He he had the audacity to call people dogs. I've never called anybody a dog. He called people pigs. And yet this is the Jesus that was meek and mild, right? This was the Jesus that spoke, right? He spoke words that comforted the downcast, but also he cast down with his words. He comforted the downcast, and he also afflicted those who rose up and cast them down. And so... You know, when we have today, you know, Charles Spurgeon said that there would come a day that we we would uh, have clowns behind the pulpits. And that's precisely the day that we're in is a bunch of buffoonery and, and people, you know, these so-called progressive Christians that are saying it's okay to be gay. It's okay to be trans. Right? <laughs> See... Anyways, there's so much that can be said about that stuff. But, you know, they're after our children. They're after our country. They're after our nation. They're after our our loved ones. And, you know, I, I posted something in the chat. Vody Balcom said this. He prefaced his sermon. He said, now, let me just say, guys, um, I have a lot of friends that are wife beaters. I love wife beaters. Okay, I love them, and um, you know. And the point that he was trying to make is, this is exactly how we do with homosexuality. We have this huge disclaimer that we were walking on eggshells, trying not to offend people, right? And and the fact of the matter is, it doesn't mean that we have to be ugly. It doesn't mean that we have to be. Rude. It doesn't mean that we have to be vicious with our words. But nevertheless, if my so-called love doesn't influence me to tell the next man or the world or whoever it is what the truth is, then that is not a love that is biblical. That is just that all I am is I'm in my feelings. But it's not a matter of feelings. Uh, love primarily is an issue of Will, not feelings. I will to say what is right. I will to do what is good. Because when you don't feel it, can you still will to do it? Jesus didn't want to go to the cross, but you know what he did? He did it anyways, because he wanted to do the will of the Father. Amen. He didn't want to do his own will. He wanted to do the will of the Father. And that's how you know that you're truly spiritual, how you're truly a man or a woman of God, is even when you don't feel like praying, you will to pray. When you don't feel like reading the Word, you will to read the Word. When you don't feel like obeying the Word, you still obey the Word. Amen. And that is what distinguishes the real man of God and the real woman of God from the false is because they got to do, it's only until they feel like it's the right thing to do, then I'll do it. But, you know, don't talk to me about obedience and don't talk to me about sacrifice. Don't talk to me about that stuff because, you know, uh, after all, Jesus had come into the world to, you know, serve my desires. I don't know what Jesus we're reading about, but that's not the Jesus of the Scriptures. You know, the Bible doesn't say, you know, for this reason was the Son of God manifest that he might serve your every want and desire on a silver platter. He says, for this reason was the Son of God manifested that he might destroy the works of the devil. And there's a lot of people that are in agreement with the will and the works of the devil behind the pulpit. And people, you know, say, oh, you know, wh- wh- why Why is, you know, but come on, can you be a little nicer? Well, I-, I think when people are leading multitudes astray, and see, it'd be one thing if they didn't know this, right? The Hindu who've never read this, I- I, you know, I could kind of understand, even though not fully, because it's, it, ignorance of the law doesn't excuse you. You know, for the Muslim ain't never read this Bible, never never seen the Holy Ghost manifested, never got, never had Christ manifested to him. Okay, I understand. But when you're reading this thing every day and you claim to be a pastor, right? And you're saying you don't know whether God made a mistake for having created male and female. Maybe he should have created a third option of, well, I don't know what the heck this is. See, that's when it's, it's crazy. It's nonsense. <coughs> it's worse than nonsense. It's, it's willful deception of people. Yeah. They're willfully deceiving. And you know why? You know what Jesus said? He said, How can you receive the glory that comes from God if you accept the glory and the praise of men? And see, people you know, I'll say this last thing and then I'll get into the word. Um <coughs> One of the reasons why I, I come after a lot of the people that are all about self, like look at me, you know, hey, is this the mark of the beast? Is this the Nephilim? Follow and subscribe and comment. Tell me what you think below. All those people that are drawing men after themselves, the reason why I go after that is because people are like, you know, kind of be a little lenient. Well, No. And here's the reason why is because the motivation for that is glory for self. Okay, and when you are motivated by that, Jesus told us if you accept the praise and the glory of men, how can you accept the praise that comes from God? Amen. Ah, so even though I may not see all the craziness that you're doing behind closed doors. I know that there's a fundamental problem with your motive, your heart, your heart's motivation, and it's that you're aspiring for the glory of men. And that is the wrong foot to begin on, because when you travel further and further down the road, you'll get into worse stuff. Because, because when, when there's, here's the thing, the Lord will always tell you to sacrifice to Isaac to test your heart, so that from that point forward, We're seeing who we're really following, whether you're going to continue to go the straight and narrow and follow the Lord, or you're going to follow self or follow others, right? And so if your starting point is, I accept the glory of men, and I want glory for self, I want to make make it all about me, then the Lord will arrange arrange and orchestrate a situation to test your heart so that... what's revealed is who we're really about and what we're really doing this for. Amen? Yeah. Because because James said, you know, show your works, show your faith by your works. How can I know? God knows if you have faith even without your works. But see, that's why he called Abraham to begin with is God called Abraham even before Abraham knew he had faith. No. God called Abraham even before we knew Abraham had faith. But see, Abraham didn't know he had faith. And and, and we didn't know he have, had faith, right? Because it wasn't until he actually put his faith into action that he became the father of many nations. He became an example of all those who would believe on after. Right? So how can we know you got faith if you never put it into action? You know, it's like all the, you know... It's all, it's, it's kind of like all the people who, who claim the, you know, in the streets are like, oh, I'm down. But Like, how do we really know you're down if you never put in work? How do we really, you know, or, you know, <laughs> it, it, or sometimes you speak with older people are like, I remember back in my day, it was like, well, I don't, I don't know. You actually did that. Maybe you're just telling fairy tales right because you want to look good and you know that now that you're so old that we can't, you know we can't expect you to do it now you know <coughs> you know everybody's humble until it requires submission okay you're humble let us see that humility can can is that is that humility able to submit see we like to fancy ourselves that we can do certain things when we're a- until we're actually called on it, and then we can't deliver what we say we have a supply of. Amen. <coughs> um, <coughs> excuse me, but nevertheless, um, when it comes to when it comes to a lot of these guys. <sighs> See, when, when people are starting with a glory for self and start all that, see, the anointing won't back them. And so because the anointing doesn't back them, they have to, they have to compensate and substitute that for hype, emotionalism, illustrations, props, you know, uh, crazy Easter, uh, what is it? Uh, what did Mike Todd do? I don't know what he did, but it was just this whole circus. I'll just I'll call it that. Is is because because when you can't give God, you have to give other stuff. You have to. Even though I don't know why people go to it, because the world does it better than us. There's better circuses in the world. There's better. There's so you get what I'm saying. At least when I go to a circus, I know that the clown is telling me he's a clown. Right? I know this is where I'm going. This is what I'm expecting. But you're telling me it's a church. And then it's just switch bait. You see that? But nevertheless, um, let let us turn to... uh, (coughs) I believe God has given me a specific word. You know, sometimes when I speak, I don't know what I'm going to say until 10 minutes before our gathering. And so, um, I I, just side note, I believe that's how men should preach is see what we've done is we've sermonized God. We've intellectualized God into a sermon. We've reduced God to a sermon and we we feel like we have to have all these little points and have to have this You know my Microsoft Word correct, and it has to be just right, and I have to do this little cookie cutter thing. But a lot of times, when guys do that, is because it's what the man, it's what man wants to say, and it's not what that individual is willing to yield himself to the Lord in order for God to say. And I've been preaching for over a decade. I've had my little season where I try to replicate that stuff, and God wouldn't move. And there would be a great disappointment in the atmosphere because God wouldn't say anything. Okay, you want to say what you want to say, go ahead. And a lot of times, see, a sermon sermon should be the way that uh, the wind is. You don't know which way it's coming. You can't grasp the wind. You can't dictate the wind. The wind dictates the movement the wick dictates the movement of these trees and and, and it forces it to blow a certain direction. And people don't like the spontaneity of the Holy Spirit and a a lack of uh, predictability of God because God will tell you go right and then all of a sudden he said go left. And you don't know why you're going left. But he said go left. And you want to pinpoint everything and systematize God. But you can't systematize the Spirit. You can't. You have to be a living oracle unto God. You know, I, I, God has shown me this so many times. I remember a number of occasions going out evangelizing. I remember one time I wanted to show this, you know, this kid say he was an atheist. I was like, okay, you know, I'm going to use my formal training and philosophy and apologetics and all this. I'm not saying that's worthless. There might be a time where God says, hey, you know, use that. But in this instance, I had a preconceived notion of what I thought I, I needed to say. And it wasn't, and in that moment, said God said, no, you got to say X, Y, and Z. Tell him that, uh, you know, his mom is a drug addict. She got him taken away, and she's currently in rehab, and he's living with his grandma, and he really likes vehicles. And I said, hey, man, I know this is crazy, but God spoke to me. I know you say you're an atheist, but I'm going to show you today that God is real. And he lost his faith that day because of this atheistic professor teaching on evolution. And so he used to be a believer, lost his belief, and then regained his belief in the same day. (laughs) So so it was like ping pong. You know, the devil, you know, hit it, and the Lord hit it back, and, you know, the devil got struck out. But the point that I'm trying to make is the Holy Spirit will sometimes lead you to do things or say things that you didn't think God wanted you to say. You had in your mind what you thought you wanted to do, what you thought you wanted to say, and he says, no, go this direction. And, um, amen. So, you know, see, you know, we, we talk about God not being in a box, right? See, we, we, we realize we see that God was in a box. He was in the ark of the covenant, but he said that he wanted to be in his people. So God wants free expression to be able to move around. But a lot of times we we have all these theologians that are so fat-headed and shrunken in soul that we just want to keep God stagnant and not allow God to move. See, the biggest hindrance to God moving isn't Islam, isn't Hinduism, ain't witchcraft. It's intellectualized Christians that have bogged themselves down with so much weight of of argumentation. It's Mars Hill Christianity. We're just we're, we're just. That's all we do. We don't do much of else, but we we just, I need you guys to get that. I need you guys to get that because you can talk about the word and the word not be present. You know that? People say, oh no, my word will not come back to me void. No, the devil quoted the word. Was there any anointing backing that? No. So just because the word is shared doesn't mean that the anointing is backing it. Um, again, the devil quoted it. And yet there was demonic energy that was backing the sharing of those verses. Nevertheless, 2 <coughs> um, S- Corinthians chapter 6, Verse fourteen, Second Corinthians chapter four, was chapter six, verse fourteen. And what I was trying to say is that, you know, the Holy Spirit needs to accompany the proclamation of the Word, and and I believe that God um, has uh, given me something very specific to to talk to us today about. Um, you know, I don't know to. T- uh, how many it will speak to, but I, I do know um, what needs to be said. 2 Corinthians chapter 6 verse 14. <coughs> the word is, is prophetic. You know that? Let me say this one thing real quick. You know, I don't know if you guys seen that thing I posted on my Instagram. That guy he said, you know, oh. Uh how do you say it? There was this girl he pulled up, this lady, and he said, Oh, your parents lost a child, and and you, basically they had you, and so they called you Hope. And she's like, Yes, yes, and he said, Um, and then it, and he says, Oh, blah blah blah, this, this, and that, and he says, and your name is Baby. And then she's all, "Yes," and she started crying. He drops the mic and he walks out of the church, right? He he mic dropped because he he told her something that she already knew. And then here you hear you have his escorts like uh, you know following him like he's a demigod. Y'all following Now, see, the simpletons would look at that and be like, oh, amazing. That's not prophetic. Amen? That is not prophetic. That is not a manifestation of prophecy. See, the spirit of prophecy is first and foremost about glorifying the Christ. Okay? It is... It's not prophetic, it's pathetic. Amen. (laughs) It's number one, first of all, about glorifying the Christ. So, see, a false prophet isn't someone who missed it. Because myself, as a prophet, I might miss it. I'm not infallible. But, see, someone will like to take a snapshot and say, False prophet, look, he missed it. No. A false prophet is the one who does those mic drops Who makes it all about themselves and won't point you to the will of God. Amen. That is what a false prophet is and what a false prophet does. So even though they can tell you accurate information, so what the, you know, what the heck? Who cares? You already know that your name is Hope and your name is Baby and what? What does God want me to do? He didn't share all that. Because it's not this, it, 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 the spirit of prophecy is about saying, look, this is the will of God for your life. The Holy Spirit is saying, do this. And yeah, there might be words of knowledge, especially if someone doesn't, you know, especially to give confirmation to the prophetic word, like, hey, God told me that your name is this and you have this much in your bank account. And then also, this is what's going to happen in a month, or this is what exactly what God wants you to do. So stop doing that and start doing this. Okay, that's the spirit of prophecy. And but people are amazed just because you can give them information. No, the spirit of prophecy will always glorify Christ. That's that's amen because the Holy Spirit and Jesus work in in unison. The Holy Spirit don't do what Christ don't do and Christ don't do what the Holy Spirit don't do. Okay? And so Jesus says, I only do what my fault what I see my father doing. Amen. So you know when when guys they 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 uh they they like to um Prophet Lovey um you know will make a whole service about Oh, prophesy, prophesy, Papa, prophesy. You think that's about Jesus? Oh, go deeper, Papa. Go deeper. (laughs) If you guys don't know what I'm talking about, good, because it's best that you not even hear of that guy. And people think he's deep. You know, um... What happened? Uh he was like, oh, you know, God, he he didn't suffer a man to live in Genesis. He says, but he saved Noah, therefore Noah wasn't a man. See, it's all that twisting of scripture that sounds good and palatable, but it, it's not even true. And then oh, and then he wants to get he wants to tell you to give a thousand a dollar offering to secure a prophetic word over your life. Oh, that's what this is about. You don't need to, to sow $1,000 to secure a prophetic word. I'm not against sowing tithes and stuff like that. But if if God spoke to you, it's going to happen based off your obedience to him, not because you gave X amount of money. Does that make sense? <coughs> I'm sorry I have to st- make all these stops. I remember uh, Prophet, uh, what was it, uh, Varon Ash said that... Uh, you, you know, a prophet, the way he preaches, is kind of like a woman uh, trying to go, uh, uh, you know, kind of like how she shops. She goes everywhere. <laughs> and then even when she goes home, she stops at every yard sale and makes several stops. <laughs> Just can't go home. <laughs> so, <coughs> for sure, for sure. Second Corinthians chapter 6, verse 14 says... Do not be yoked together with unbelievers. For what do righteousness and wickedness have in common? Or what fellowship can light have with darkness? What harmony is there between Christ and Belial? Or what does a believer have in common with an unbeliever? What agreement is there between the temple of God and idols? For we are the temple of the living God. As God has said, I will live with them and walk among them, <clears throat> and I will be their God, and they will be my people. Therefore, come out from them and be separate, says the Lord. Touch no unclean thing, and I will receive you, and I will be a father to you, and you will be my sons and daughters, says the Lord Almighty. We're con- continuing to read from seven, uh, chapter 7, verse 1 through 3. Therefore, since we have these promises, their friends, let us purify ourselves from everything that contaminates body and spirit, perfecting holiness out of reverence for God. Make room for us in your hearts. We have wronged no one. We have corrupted no one. We have exploited no one. I do not say this to condemn you. I have said before that you have such a place in our hearts that we would live or die with you. Now, <coughs> Um, after having read it, um, I, guys, I want to encourage you guys to have your Bibles there, just so you can follow along. As I've said already, I, I like to use the NIV. Not saying that you should have one, but if you do have one and you want to follow along, um, that would be great. Only because you can see word for word what I'm reading. And uh, when I'm help, the reason why I keep saying this is so that we be Bereans. Bereans were the people in the book of Acts that examined the scriptures when Paul preached to see if it was actually in there. Amen. And so today we don't have Bereans. We have airheads. You know, just gullibly accepting everything. And no, uh, no. You you look at you. This is the standard, my brothers and sisters. No man is the standard. This is the standard right here. Amen. If this word don't say it, then we should not believe it. Amen. This word has to be backed by this word. But with that said, um, it says, do not be yoked together with unbelievers. All right. For what do righteousness and wickedness have in common? Or what fellowship can light have with darkness? So what Paul here is addressing, for those of you that don't know what a yoke is, a yoke was placed upon, you know, placed on an oxen right one w- there would be a yoke that was on the neck of one oxen and would be on the neck of another oxen and <clears throat> what they would often do in those times in order to train a younger ox was to yoke him together with an older ox and because the younger ox had more energy and 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 uh was prone to just go by itself. And so a young, an older seasoned ox would be yoked together with that ox. And what would happen is the ox, the younger ox would try to go and do its own thing. It would strain its neck and it can't get anywhere because they are unequally yoked. Does that make sense? So (coughs) an equal yoke you will be going smoothly and together. And see that that's that's what happens a lot of the times is because because you've been yoked to the Lord, he will want you will want to go do your own thing, but God will create a strain on you. Amen. Amen. That's why he told Peter. He says when you were younger, you went where you wanted to go, you did what you wanted to do, but now that you're older, another will clothe you, another will dress you. And and so you know when jesus when you accepted christ you accepted a death sentence that's essentially what you've accepted you've accepted a death sentence and you signed over all of your rights and so that your life no longer belongs to your to yourself anymore the bible says that since we are persuaded that uh, one has died for all that therefore all have died <clears throat> that we should henceforth no longer live unto ourselves but unto him that gave his life for us. Jesus, uh, Paul says, he says, It's no longer I that lives, but Christ that lives in me. And the life that I now live in the flesh, I live uh, by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave his self for me. Amen. <clears throat> and so, this life is all about death to the old man, to the old ways, to all of that stuff, and being yoked to the Lord. Amen. But what Paul here is addressing, he's saying, look, he says, "Don't be yoked together with unbelievers." <clears throat> do not be yoked together with unbelievers. And and sadly, <clears throat> this is what a lot of believers try to do. <clears throat> and for one reason or another, either because it's sheer disobedience to God and they know what the Lord wants them to do, or otherwise it may be that they don't know and they 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 have just convinced themselves that it's all about being kind and accepting everybody and, you know, I'll include you in my life. And, and, and you don't realize though that you are thereby yoking yourself to somebody. You don't, see people have used this to just, um, us. To, to counsel people to not marry the wrong person. But if the extent of the app the, the, the extent of the application of this verse only goes so far as marriage, then you have a shallow view of what this is actually referring to. Because in context, Paul isn't even speaking about marriage. Yeah. You know what? You know, you know what Paul had to address is the fact that they were tolerating false apostles and and that they were accepting, in fact, parading the certain people in the church that were sexually immoral. Amen. That is the context of this passage. And so now, here's the thing. He says here says, uh, "What to what do righteousness and wickedness have in common? <clears throat> or what fellowship can light have with darkness?" Now, the word there, fellowship, is the word konania. (coughs) Um, Let me see if I can find this real quick. I believe it might be in Philemon. Um, It's only one chapter, so this book is sometimes hard to find. Uh me one second it's it's fu- oh oh here we go Okay, so Philemon chapter 1 verse 4, he says, I always thank my God as I remember you in my prayers because I hear about your love for all this holy people and your faith in the Lord Jesus. I pray that your partnership with us in the faith may be effective in deepening your understanding of every good thing we share for the sake of Christ. So that word partnership in the Greek is the word kononia. So to, to have fellowship is to have partnership. It is to have things in common. And so it has, it, it, you're in association with a person. Amen. <clears throat> it doesn't mean that you have to come into covenant and in marriage. It doesn't mean any of that <clears throat> necessarily. It means that you're tolerating certain people in your circle that you are in association with. Oh, but I I don't accept the way they live. We just we just fellowship a little bit. We're just in partnership with a little bit. But you don't realize that you're welcoming people into your house that is accepting is 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 welcoming wickedness. And because you've been convinced by the modern church, by American Christianity, by soft joel olstein christianity that you just have to give everybody a smile you have to welcome everybody and and be you know be the light to the world you know all this stuff use all these verses to justify these verses or models you know or uh, pastors to justify why you are introducing wickedness into your life amen amen and you will blindly walk into relationships and partnerships and associations with people that the holy ghost wants you to cut out of your life and 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 you'll you will use verses like well didn't jesus sit with tax collectors and sinners ah but people don't like to point out that they were the ones who knew they needed a physician because why didn't Jesus sit with the Pharisees? Well he sat with one Pharisee right and he rebuked them to his face right That's what he did because the Pharisees said, oh man if this guy is really a prophet he, he knew he would know what this you know uh, woman is that's crying at his feet And he says, oh you know Peter, you know, let me ask you a question you know uh, <clears throat> and then he starts going into the parable. And he he basically exposed that Pharisee's sin. He put them on blast. But nevertheless, you don't see Jesus chilling with Pharisees. You don't see him reclining with them. You know why? Because they knew, Jesus knew that they carried wickedness in them and that they didn't want a physician. They wanted to continue to live the old ways that they were living. And see, sometimes people with good hearts will try to bring people in the fold and argue, you know, you know, tell them uh, until they're blue in the face. Hey, you need to accept Jesus and you're going to get hurt. You're going to get damaged in the process. Oh, you don't believe me because because you think that you got you got to accept everybody because you're the light you're going to get hurt that way. Um, Was it not Paul who, you know, he kept trying to go to the Jews when the Lord called him to the Gentiles and he got unnecessary beatings because of it? Y'all with me? And see, people don't, people don't like to talk about this, you know, because it cuts at the heart of what matters most to people and its relationships. Right? Amen. But wasn't it not Jesus who said, if you love your father or mother, your brother, or your sister, more than me, you're not worthy to be my disciple. Amen. You know, I, I cut my dad out of my life. Some people will say that's not Christ like you got to love uh, blah, 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 you know, and, and I, I understand I understand where they're coming from. But this was a God move. And and <clears throat> I refuse to be in association with with anybody that is not my true brother and sister in Christ. That doesn't mean that I hate my dad. That doesn't mean that it doesn't mean that. What it means is that there are certain people in my household and there's only certain people that are welcomed at my table. And it doesn't matter if you're my flesh and blood. You know, remember when they said, said, uh, oh, your mother is calling for you. And he says, who's my mother? Who's my sister? Who's my brother? He says, they that do the will of my father, they're my brother. They're my sister. They're my mother. Amen. So Jesus doesn't even give very, he doesn't give very much regard of the flesh. Now, it's a different thing altogether if you're taking care of children, right? Then obviously you have an obligation to those children to raise them up in the Lord, right? Or if you're married and they're not abusing you, but they're, you know, they don't know Christ, but you know, and by the way, if you're getting physically abused, don't believe these stupid teachers like John MacArthur who say that you got to stay with them. The guy is a, you know, he he's, it, that's, that's stupid. That's not biblical. If you're being physically abused, which happened in his church and the the lady was counseled to stay with the guy and it had come out that he was a molester and all this other stuff. He was, you know, right that, that no you you cut that out e- even if it it is your husband or wife you cut them out of your life amen. god doesn't call you to submit to abuse amen amen but you'll ha- you have people say all this other stuff that no, you have to no no you don't but if it's an unbeliever and they you're able to you know manage the household together then yes you still submit it doesn't mean that you know you stop serving jesus but what it means is that hey you got to make it work once you said i do even if it wasn't the will of god now it's the will of god (laughs) that's kind of how it rolls right um but uh Let's read this a little further. It says, Or what fellowship can light have with darkness? What harmony is there between Christ and Belial? You know what Belial means? It means worthless. You know you can link yourself together with worthless people. And what it will do is, and it also means no help. You know that your life will be robbed of help and would be reduced to worthlessness based off you accepting a belial in your life. See, people that they don't have, a, you know, an inkling of spiritual understanding. They they think, well, I love God, I read my Word, I pray, but why is all this craziness still happening in my life? Why is this area not prospering? Why am I not receiving help in this area? And it's because you've accepted a Belial into your home. And when I say home, it don't mean necessarily a physical home, but you've welcomed them, them within your close proximity. You have come into partnership. You have come into association. You have come into fellowship with a servant of Belial. Amen. See, a lot of people will say, "Oh, you know, just love him like Jesus." Okay, keep loving a Judas, and you'll get hung on a cross. Amen. Keep tolerating those. Now we, of course, know that Judas was there for purpose, lest the script, you know, so the scriptures can be fulfilled. So, g, you know, ain't that interesting that Jesus had enough faith in the provision of God that He entrusted a thief to the tithes. What is, he, Jesus wasn't blind. He knew that Judas was a thief, right? But, but Judas had to be there. But nevertheless, some of you will, you know, are welcoming Belial's in your life, Judas's in your life, Jezebel's in your life. Yeah, he, he, he was taking money. He's a thief. And then of course he accepted, you know, the, the 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 money from the the Pharisees in order to basically rat on Christ so um what agreement is there between the temple of God and idols for we are the temple of the living God as God said I will walk with them and walk among them and I will be their God and they will be my people you know you know one of the reasons why God don't show up for a lot of churches and and I Is because it's a temple. And what happens is when people begin to tolerate wickedness into God's house, God's glory will lift. Amen. God walks amongst the temple of the living God. You know what happens when they started, uh they, the Bible says that they were given to idolatry and they rose up to play and all this stuff. The Bible says that Ichabod had come upon the land and come upon the temple. That means that the glory has departed. People, you know, they say, well, just be, you know, I'm a Christian or, you know, I'm saved and they use all this stuff to try to, to, to argue like they can't be out of right standing with God, but you can. And depending on who you're welcoming into your life, God's glory may depart from your life and you will see it. Nothing is working out. Everything is coming to ruin. That's why some people who do want to yoke with another person that isn't married, th- nothing works out. And a bunch of unnecessary trouble meet them. You think that's just because, you know, you need more communication skills or, uh, or uh, you know, maybe we just need some counseling. No, you, you can't counsel a demon out of your life. You got to cut demons out of your life. You got to expel that stuff out of your life. You can't, it's like trying to put a Band-Aid on a wound that can only be repaired by surgery. See, you can't, you can't uh, uh, manage what God told you to cut off. And you know, this is why we have all these dumb, you know, uh, uh, classes that don't bring Christ into the equation. And it's like you're, you're set up for failure from the gate. Right? Amen. Um y'all y'all following? Amen. Yes, amen. <clears throat> I remember one time we were at a, a prayer meeting and um uh, there was a sister. Um, we we would have the prayer meeting at her house. She opened up her house, and you know me. Uh, you know it wasn't a large gathering, but there was other brothers and sisters. We'd come once a week, and we'd go pray. And um, on one occasion, we, we were praying, and you know I was I was still young in the Lord at the time, so I, I didn't I didn't pick up what was going on. Um, I still hadn't exercised my spiritual senses to the degree that they're at today, but uh, we were praying and and nothing, God's presence wouldn't show up, the heavens had become brass, there was no flow of grace, there was no flow of the spirit, and at first I thought, man, is this a demon, because this is, you know, But long story short, what had come out was that she was having sex with the drummer and she was bringing and they were getting drunk they're having sex oh so you want to you know have your your little sin going on in your house and then turn it into god's house when it's convenient for you right you want to you want you want to tolerate belial and christ you you want to, you know, I'll have my little temple worship unto the Lord here on this side, but let me go sacrifice on the high places over here. Nah. See, the devil might be cool with that, but Jesus ain't. You can't have both. Right. See, the devil might be cool with a bit of syncretism. You sink a little bit of uh, uh necromancy, praying to demons, and you know, and then you know, incorporate this a little bit of Bible and New Age. We, we, we can we can work with you. The devil's a negotiator. He he just wants you to accept that little bit of leaven, so you're contaminated as a whole. But but Jesus, on the other hand, it's either purity or impurity. He doesn't want a mixture. Amen. Amen. There is no mixture in the kingdom. It's the pure word. It's a pure heart and pure fellowship. Amen. Hallelujah. I remember sometime there was his sometime back there was his brother. I'm not going to say a name. And uh, but I, I, I kicked him out. Of, of this fellowship, and, you know, the, this, the natural mind, you know, the simpleton won't understand why, but I remember once th- we were having a, a meeting, and then, uh, he had the audacity to say, I sit here for two hours, and, uh, um, what happened, so we were having a Bible study, and, you know, teaching, and whatnot, and then he ended up asking a question, but he spoke up like three different times, not asking a question. And I had specifically asked, Hey, if anybody has a question, then ask a question. And he kept injecting stuff that was irrelevant. And then afterward I say, Hey man, uh, you know, when I, when I give a specific order, it doesn't mean do the complete opposite. And he says, I, you know, who are you? I'm not going to sit here for two hours and do, you know, do all this stuff. And then I'm like, bro, what are you talking about and and the, the 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 point of the matter is is that there there is a um there are people that are not interested in what God is doing in a specific context but they're interested in causing confusion they're interested in causing discord they're interested in amen <clears throat> and so The reason why this is important is because you may tolerate people that God doesn't want you to tolerate, and there, and people will misunderstand the moves that you make. People will misunderstand. Even other Christians will judge you and say, "That's not what Jesus would do." That's not that's not the Jesus I know. Oh, really? That's not the Jesus you know. Please explain to me how you know Jesus so well if you only read the Bible once a week. Oh, now, now you you know what Jesus is saying for my life, right? Tell Please tell hey, you know what? While we're at it, turn to Mark 17. They'll be flipping for a while because they don't know there isn't a 17th chapter. I'm not trying, I'm not trying to be ugly about it. I'm just, the point that I'm, I just don't have, um, very much of a tolerance to, you know, hear that sort of stuff when I know what I know, amen. You ever have that time when you know what you know, and no matter of explanation is going to, you know, persuade someone that doesn't know what God is telling you for your life. It's kind of like trying to tell your family members, right? They're all happy for you in the beginning and they, then they want to crucify you the following day because the decisions that you're making for Christ gets them upset. But what did Paul say? He says I've now come, you know, become the the servant of man. He says if he says, if I had come to seek and serve men, he says, I wouldn't be a servant of Christ. And you know what he says? You know, those people that you are tolerating in the church that are Judaizers telling you must be circumcised. He says, you know why they're doing that? So that they can make a show in the flesh. But he says, whoever's boasts is in the flesh. He says, the persecution of the cross of Christ has ceased. In other words, yeah, just accept this little bit of circumcision. The circumcision doctrine You know why? I mean, because it's not a big deal. I mean, we can look at it in the book of Moses, right? The, 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 The Mosaic law, all right? Exodus commands it. See, it's not too bad, just accept the circumcision. But the moment they did that, the persecution of the cross of Christ has seized in their life. And that's why people are men-pleasers, because they ain't got the guts to endure the persecution that comes along with saying, no, I'm sticking with Christ and Christ alone. This is what He says, this is what His Word says, and this is what i got to do for my life. Amen. Amen and and people who who say they're for Jesus but they want to integrate a little bit of flesh they'll persecute you just like Ishmael persecuted Isaac is what Paul says in Galatians he says just as it was before so it is now today Amen But anyways the, po- the you know I, I I may not have you know explained myself uh, uh, clearly enough about the point that I was trying to make with that sister is that, see, the Holy Spirit isn't going to do that. And so you know what that means? We got to address that. Hey, you got to repent or you got to bounce. Oh, but Jesus wouldn't do that. Yes, he would. He commanded in Matthew 18. If there's a brother or sister that's in sin... You address it. If they don't listen, by the way, the two or three witnesses doesn't mean that you just bring two or three other Christians. That was a term that is derived from the old Mosaic law that that, that suggests those who had authority. Right? The two or three witnesses wasn't just like, hey, you know, let, let's get, you know, a couple more. No, it was the religious authorities. Okay, and once it got to that point, and the, the person that is sinning still doesn't listen, then you, you relay that to the entire church. And basically, from that point forward, if they still don't do that, then you kick them out. That's what the word of the Lord says. You, ex, you It says, and then Paul says uh, in 1 Corinthians, and he's drawing from Deuteronomy, he says, expel the evil out from among you. Watch, Um, if you look at 1 Corinthians, I think it's 1 Corinthians, let's turn there, 1 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 9 through 13, he says, I wrote to you in my letter not to associate with sexually immoral people not at all meaning the people of this world who are immoral or the greedy and swindlers or idolaters. In that case, you would have to leave this world. But now I'm writing to you that you must not associate. Same word for fellowship. You must not fellowship, associate, be in partnership with anyone who claims to be a brother or sister, but is sexually immoral or greedy, an idolater, a slanderer, a drunkard or swindler. Do not even eat with such people. Jesus ate with tax collectors and sinners. You know, you know why they use that language? To rub it in the face of the self-righteous. That's why it used tax collectors and sinners. But yet they had become followers of Christ. See, these weren't the people, you know, kicking back and smoking blunts right in front of Jesus' face. They were like, you know, trying to roll a spliff. You know, getting drunk. <laughs> you know, Jesus, that was the best sermon you preached the other day. They weren't saying all that. These people knew they needed a physician and they were learning from him. They were being healed by him. Yeah. It's, it's, you know, it's believers who are living a double life. It doesn't mean just, you know, they, they sinned, they made a mistake, right? Like, you know, I, I repent from this, I I you know messed up today. No, it's a person that is perpetually living this lifestyle. So, you know, if a brother or sister, they, they get drunk and and they're like, you know, and by the way, if you do sin, you don't, they don't mean you have to confess it to the whole church. You confess that to the leadership. Okay. Because <laughs> there are, unfortunately, some people that will spread your business abroad <laughs> they they will publish it real quick like CNN or NBC right they, they no don't do that that's unwise Amen. um you 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 confess that to you know if if you're in sin then you should tell me about it see everybody thinks they want to everybody thinks they're submitting to Jesus until it means submitting to Jesus is representative on earth. Amen. amen. Uh, This isn't about... Because what happens... Because, look, the reason why this might be hard for some of you is because you have to unlearn a lot of stuff. You have to unlearn a lot of the lies. Amen. And the lie is that, you know, uh, we're all equal. That's a lie. The Bible says there's small, there's great and least in the kingdom. Well, what what makes that what makes Jesus says that those who practice and teach these things shall be called great. He didn't say just if you practice them. Now if you teach them and don't practice them, you won't be great. But if you practice them and teach them, you shall be called great. Right? Why was see Paul and them were the least on earth, but they were the greatest in the kingdom, which is why they were giving thrones to judge Israel. Amen? Not, every Christian didn't get a throne. Amen. Y'all, the rest of you still following? The ones that aren't saying amen? Yes, amen. Amen. Praise God. So this this will help you. You know, people get angry with that because you're creating a separation. But the fact of the matter is, it's actually healthy for you. It's actually good for you that you don't spread it to everybody in the church. Oh, you know, yesterday, you know, I did all this and I just got to get it off my chest. I'm glad that you have a willingness to put it out there and be transparent. But don't do that to yourself amen it, it, you know have you ever seen those social media testimonies where they get a microphone and they tell it to everybody in a church of like 5000 and I'm th- I'm scratching my leader. I'm scratching my head I'm like why is the leadership allowing them to do that like very very personal things you know and, but anyways um the point that I'm trying to make though is it says right here it says don't associate with the sexually immoral. The greedy, idolater, or slanderer, drunkard, or swindler. Do not even eat with such people. Amen? Yeah. Don't eat with them. I know that's hard, but that's what the Word says. Because you know why? You might be eating with someone... Who is in association with Belial. And that wickedness will funnel into your life. You don't believe me? Look at the man who carried an idol in Joshua's camp. God judged the whole camp because of him. Oh, that was the Old Testament. Oh, so there's an Old Testament God and New Testament God? I didn't I didn't know that. See, people don't understand that when you say that we're no longer the old the Old Testament, God's character didn't change. The only thing that changed was the Levitical priesthood and the order of the law. That's the only thing that changed. So that means all those kosher laws, all the Levitical laws, you know, sacrificing this lamb and have to do this All that has been fulfilled in Christ, so we don't observe that anymore. There's a new priesthood after the order of Melchizedek, not after Levi. That's the only difference. God's character hasn't changed. God's uh, will hasn't changed. Amen? People think that Jesus raised the bar in the New Testament. He didn't raise the bar. He says, You have heard it said, hate your enemy. Right? You have heard it said, See, Jesus, he didn't say, you have read. If he said, you have read that the law says, but I say to you, then Jesus was hiring the standard of what the Mosaic law had expected of the people. No, he wasn't saying, he says, you have heard it said. Why? Because there were Pharisees and religious rulers that were misinterpreting the Mosaic law and telling it to the people. Amen. Amen. And so, um, Jesus didn't raise the bar. He came to show where the bar was at all the time. (laughs) Because Jesus says, if you look upon a woman lustfully in your heart, so the Old Testament didn't speak about lust? Right? Yeah, it did. The Bible says, lust not after her beauty. It says that in the Old Testament. Right? So... It addressed the issue of lust. It addressed all those issues. But see, we're living in a day and age where when there is normal Christianity, it's considered abnormal because we're so subnormal. We're so below the bar so that when somebody's actually living the bar, we think it's abnormal. We we think there's something crazy about it. But it's like, no, this is what it was the whole the entire time. Amen. Um but so it says this in verse 12 it says What business is it mine to judge the outside the outside those outside the church? Are you not to judge those inside? God will judge those outside, expel the wicked person from among you. Okay, so first of all. Um, When he says don't judge the world, that doesn't mean that you close your eyes and say, oh, I can't judge you. I can't make any statement about your life. It doesn't mean that. It doesn't mean that, oh, you know, I can't use my head and I, I just can't make a judgment about what you're doing. Sorry, the Bible says I can't judge the outsiders. No, what Paul here is talking about is specific judgment that means to execute authoritative matters. Right? Because Paul had authority to judge those in the church. And what judgment meant was to expel them outside of the community and throw them into the hands of Satan. By the way, ministers have that authority. Do you know that? I can show you in the scriptures where he says, I have given them unto the hands of Satan. He says that more than once. And the context was always this. The people that kept playing games in the church, kept sinning their sin, kept bringing in false doctrine. He says, I threw them to the hands of Satan. Now the purposes were redemptive. He says, so that their flesh may be destroyed and their spirit saved. But don't be mistaken. The moment that you keep bringing in idols into God's temple, oh, you're, you're disconnected from grace. The grace of God will not flow to your life And if a church is doing what it should be doing, it should excommunicate you. And that means you're tossed into the hands of Satan. And people think that they can just, you know, do what they want in church and then church hop to another place and think everything is going to be all right. No, the favor of God has lifted off of you. You know that? You cannot get excommunicated from a church and then hop to another church and think that you can just go what and do what you're doing with your relationship with Jesus. No, the the grace of God is lifted off of your life. Amen. that doesn't mean that if you sin you messed up you confess your sins you you know cleaned up all that stuff that there isn't grace for you that's not what i'm saying i'm saying that the person who is perpetually sinning is unrepentant that is the end result and and so when he's talking about judging he he's saying basically look we have the authority to excommunicate you We have the authority to toss you in the hands of Satan. But it says, God will judge the world. So, I as a minister, I have no authority to go in the court of law and judge them. I don't have that authority. I have authority to judge those in the church, but not those in the world. That's what he's talking about. I don't have authority to arrest anybody. Stop. I'm a minister. Halt put your hands behind me <laughs> who are you I'm a prophet stop <laughs> good luck sock you up <laughs> get your hands off me who, who made you who made you a cop <laughs> oh you're one of them self-appointed cops. That's what this is <laughs> right? We have we have a lot of them self appointed people that aren't called but act like they're called right <coughs> Everybody's called to evangelize Yeah like Joe Biden <laughs> with the vegetable mind. Oh, I like ice cream. (laughs) Where am I? Come on, man. (laughs) You know, when it comes to stuff like that, I'm I'm embarrassed to be an American sometimes when that we have that guy as our president. Doesn't even know how to tie his own shoe. He needs uh someone to change his diaper. <laughs> um but nevertheless let's uh look at Deuteronomy chapter seven. Deuteronomy chapter seven verses one through six. Now I hope I made myself clear. Uh, about, because I, I want you guys to get, I don't want you guys thinking like, oh man, this is a foreign idea, I ain't never heard this, um, it's biblical, I don't have the time to go verse by verse, um, you know, excuse me, before going to Deuteronomy, let's go to Jude real quick, <clears throat> Paul, the guy, he was having sex with his stepmom. He was having an incestuous relationship. He was sleeping with his father's wife. It wasn't his biological mom, it was his stepmom. And Paul's like, yo, shouldn't you guys be mourning and grieving over this stuff? What? And you guys are proud about this? The Corinthian church was a jacked up church. They were really carnal. They were saying, I'm of Calvin, I'm of Luther and Baptist, and I'm of Methodist. That, that's what they were saying, I'm of Apollos, Paul, and all this stuff, right? And they were very boastful. They were, you know, there was sexual immorality. There is, you know, all this stuff, There's biting and devouring each other. And Paul says, you guys assemble for the worse and not for the good. I'm glad that I've never had to say, you know, of us, hey, we're assembling for the worse. That would suck. <laughs> right? Um, but it was so bad in at that time that they would assemble for the worst. It wasn't for the good. Um <clears throat> but Paul says, kick him out of the church. Right? He says, Deliver him to the hands of Satan. Right, um, babe. If you if you can, maybe if you can find that verse and uh, s- submit it in the comments. Um, but as as she does that, um, I want to turn to Jude real quick. Jude, uh, it's in chapter one. <clears throat> Verse three, dear friends, although I was very eager to write to you about the salvation we share, I felt compelled to write and urge you to contend for the faith that was once for all delivered um, once and for, excuse me, once and for all entrusted to God's holy people for certain individuals whose condemnation was written about long ago have secretly slipped in among you. There are ungodly people who pervert the grace of God of our God into a license for immorality and deny Jesus Christ our only sovereign and lord. And it says this um verse Hold on. Uh, give me one second. Let's just keep reading through. Though you already know all this, I wanted to remind you that the Lord at one time delivered His people out of Egypt, but later destroyed those who did not believe. And the angels who did not keep their positions of authority but abandoned their proper dwelling, these He has kept in darkness, bound with everlasting chains for judgment on the great day. In a similar way, Sodom and Gomorrah, and by the way, even though it says angels, it's not referring to angelic beings. I don't have time to go into that, but if you're interested in knowing the truth, like to understand that verse better, you know, ask me later. Um, In a similar way, Sodom and Gomorrah and the surrounding towns gave themselves up to sexual immorality and perversion. They serve as an example of those who suffer the punishment of eternal fire. Um, Okay, uh, let's start at verse 11. Woe to them! They have taken the way of Cain. They have rushed for profit into Balaam's error. They have been destroyed in Korah's rebellion. These people are blemishes at your love feast, eating with you without the slightest qualm shepherds who feed only themselves they are clouds without rain blown along by the wind autumn trees without fruit and uprooted twice dead they are wild waves of the sea foaming up their shame wandering stars for whom blackest darkness has been reserved forever so do you see here he says they're eating with you and and now when we go to second do you read that These people are blemishes at your love feast, eating with you without the slightest qualm. And so, what is the significance of that? When you eat, your guard is down. You're guarding up, you're relaxing around the table and and having a familiar discussion, having, you know, fellowship. And yet, these people slip into your life. And they bring evil. They bring immorality. They bring wickedness. Amen. Uh, what does it say? Uh, bad company corrupts good character. Is what Paul says. Amen. And he says he, he refers to them as those in in Korah's rebellion. You know the, the, or those who those were in Korah's rebellion? They were those who despised authority, and they had come up against Moses. Amen. And so it, it it it's the people that they just have a front, but they're rebellious against the ways of God. Amen. And so when we go back to Second Corinthians uh, chapter six, where he talks about um basically you cannot partake of the cup of the Lord and the cup of demons. Where do you drink cups at? You drink it in communion. You drink it at the table. These people are partaking with you. And you don't see, you know why? Because they say, I'm a Christian. Hey, you know, don't get too judgy on me. Right? Those are the sort of people, (coughs) they turn (coughs) the grace of God into a license for immorality. Amen and even though you may not be partaking in their sins, the spirits that they carry will will attach themselves to your life. look look at uh, Deuteronomy chapter 7 verse one through six. Deuteronomy chapter 7 verse one through 6. It says, when the Lord your God brings you into the land you are entering to possess and drives out before you many nations. And then who was Jude talking about? The people who God brought out of the land of Egypt. And he says, those who didn't believe were destroyed. It says the Hittites, the Girgashites, the Fleabites, <laughs> the Terabites. <laughs> right? All the Ites. Um, the Amorites, the Canaanites, the Perizzites the Hevites, the Jebusites, seven nations larger and stronger than you. And when the Lord your God has delivered them over to you and you have defeated them, you must destroy them totally. See, God told Saul to kill all of the sheep, like to to basically annihilate everything. And you know what he did? He accepted the best of the sheep for for God and the Lord rejected him. Why? Because he didn't utterly cut out what he needed to cut out. So God cut him off as king. Amen. <clears throat> now, even though, I'll, I'll leave it there. Do not. Intermarry with them. Do not give your daughters to their sons, or take their daughters for your sons. For they will turn your children away from following me to serve other gods. And the Lord's anger will burn against you, and will quickly destroy you. This is what you are to uh, this is what you are to do to them. Break down their altars, smash their sacred stones. Cut down their Asheroth poles and burn their idols in the fire. For you are a people holy to the Lord your God. The Lord your God has chosen you out of all the peoples on the face of the earth to be his people, his treasured possession. So you know what the Lord is saying? Everything that has a semblance of wickedness... you, you. Break down those altars, you destroy all of that. Do not intermarry with them. You know why? Because once you intermarry with people, your family now. You got it, you're comfortable with them. What was at one time someone you viewed your enemy, you no longer view them as your enemy anymore. Does that make sense? And and so um. Uh, you become comfortable, and this is exactly what Solomon did. And Solomon uh, uh, intermarried with all the foreign women. He had a, th- a seven hundred wives, three hundred concubines, and he was led astray from the Lord. See, David, David had a a, a problem, right? He loved the Lord, he worshipped God, but he, he kind of had a problem. You know, he fell into a, a sexual sin. He had a problem with a, with a woman, but he cut that off, right? But Solomon magnified what David was like and had all these women and foreign women and his heart was led astray from the Lord his God. You know why? Oh, because, you know, hey, I'm not going to partake in their idols. I'm going to just marry someone who worships them. How long do you think that's going to last in your devotion to God? You know why? Because, you know what, they're going to start saying, Oh, but you don't love me. Come on, just offer a little incense in the high place. I thought you loved me. This and this and that. Right? Or what about your 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 friend, your old friend? Hey, man, just hey, take a hit of this joint real quick. Come on, man. You know you want to. Like old times, bro, don't be so uptight. I think Jesus wouldn't care. I mean, he made, I mean, right, he made weed. I thought God made all the plants and this and that, right? And you're like, man, you know what? I think I am being a little religious. Give me a hit of that joint. Next thing you know, you're, you're doing all this other stuff. Why? Because you you put your guard down and you allowed wicked people in your life. Look at uh, Judges chapter 10. (coughs) Judges chapter 10. Verse 6. Again, the Israelites did evil in the eyes of the Lord. They served the Baals and their Ashereths and the gods of Aram, the gods of Sidon, the gods of Moab, the gods of the Ammonites and the gods of the Philistines. And because the Israelites forsook the Lord and no longer served Him, He became angry with them. He sold them into the hands of the Philistines and the Ammonites, who had that year shattered and crushed them. For 18 years they oppressed all the Israelites on the east side of the Jordan and Gilead and the land the land of the Amorites. So you see here, they, God told them in advance in Deuteronomy... Before these days in the Judges, hey, don't intermarry with them. And what did they do? Because the day you intermarry with them, you're going to start giving yourself to idolatry. And then what we find here in Judges is they started worshiping the the Baal, started worshiping the Asherah. The very thing God told them not to do because they welcomed these people into their life. And then what happened? The very thing they thought brought them pleasure is the very thing that crushed them. For 18 years. That's a long time. I don't know about you, but I don't have 18 years to waste. I don't even have 18 years to stand still. I have 18 years I need to move forward in the Holy Ghost. I need to walk into the land. I need to prosper. I need to advance. And God forbid that there should be these little things that... that You think might bring you pleasure, or these people that you think you're just extending the love of Christ to, but are wicked, who then ensnare you. They shall be snares and thorns in your side. Amen. Amen. You know, I I can't tell you how many times that, you know, people say, Oh, you know, I just, I, I love her. Come on, man! Please. Uh, oh, she's so beautiful, you know. And and they, they just start falling head over heels for people. It's it's sad. And and but but here's the thing: you're you're about to be unequally yoked because that person don't love God. They're they're just crafty with their language, so they can talk the right words, say the right things. Or act right around the right people. But there's no purity of heart. Amen, somebody? Amen. Amen. Um, See, this is why we need to get back to militant Christianity. That doesn't mean a Christianity robbed of any intimacy with the holy spirit. I mean what I mean by militant is when your commanding officer says this is what goes in your life, that's what goes. You cut things out of your life. It's it's not it's not maybe or if it's it is what it is. Right? See, the problem with the modern church, my brothers and sisters, is this. Is people don't know God. A lot of pastors don't know God. A lot of Christians don't know God. And the reason why is they feed you a God that is not consistent with the Scriptures. So they say, you know, just love everybody. Accept everybody. Tolerate everybody. But not knowing that toleration of those people would mean your oppression. Amen. Amen. Watch, check this out. Now, let me quickly read this, just so to give you some encouragement, that the Lord, if you cry unto Him, won't forsake you there. Verse 10, then the Israelites cried out to the Lord, We have sinned against you, forsaking our God and serving the Baals. The Lord replied, When the Egyptians, the Amorites, the Ammonites, the Philistines, the Sidonians, the Amalekites, and the... Uh, Malnites oppressed you and you cried uh, to me for help did I not save you from their hands But you have forsaken me and served other gods, so I will no longer save you. Go and cry out to the gods you have chosen. Let them save you when you are in trouble. But the Israelites said to the Lord, We have sinned. Do with us whatever you think best. Please rescue us now. Then they got rid of their foreign gods among them and served the Lord, and he could bear Israel's misery no longer. So the Lord is compassionate, and though he may put you off for a while for having done what you what he told you not to do, the Lord's tender mercies are renewed, and he can bear your misery no longer. And so when you cry unto him and say, I'm ridding my life of all of this, he comes to your rescue. There's a song, I love it. I need you, Jesus. Come to my rescue. It says, where else can I go? No other name by which I can be saved. So Christ is our Savior. He is our rescuer. He is our deliverer. But it comes when we cry unto the Lord. Is that not what he says in Second Chronicles? If my people are called by my name, it, 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 they will humble themselves, seek my face, turn from their wicked ways. Then will I hear from heaven, I will forgive their sin, and I will heal their land. Amen. You know, someone reached out to me just, uh, you know, yesterday and asked me if, um, they said, because some, a brother in the Lord told them that a Christian's life is a mess or should be a mess or something like, like what, what, what Bible are you reading? No, no Christian's life should be a mess at all in the slightest. It should be a, a glory. Now your life may be a mess for a season because you just came to Christ and He has to shape up all of that stuff that caused you uh, all the sin that caused your life damage, and but Amen. you know, as you continue to weigh in the Lord, He will bring He will make your life better. It should not be a perpetual misery or, or see, it was the sin that brought them misery, and the Lord could stand their misery no longer and then save them. Right? Um but look, chapter 11, He says Japheth, the Gilead, uh, the uh, the Gile- Gileadite was a mighty warrior. His father was Gilead. His mother was a prostitute. Now, I'm not going to read all this, but the point, though, is that then he talks about how the Lord raised up Japheth because the Israelites cried unto the Lord to deliver them from bondage. This is the point I want to make. The sort of Christianity that says that God don't need a man, that, oh, you know, just Jesus is going to save me. That's a lie. He never does it that way. He never does it that way. He always raises up a man. He always raises up a woman. Those barbaric tribes that want free from their sin, you know what he raises up? A prophet, an evangelist, to go to them to deliver those people. Tell me, where at in the scriptures you ever see a demon come out of someone without them being prayed for? You don't see deliverance without men and women of God sent to them. Oh, it's just me and Jesus. Jesus on the main line. I'm not saying that God can't answer your prayers, but ninety percent of the times the way He uses answers prayers are through people because people are doors. Jesus says, "I am the door, the door of all doors." Right? People are doors in your life, and if and you know a lack of prayer and and dishonor will close doors. Yeah. Why were the elders sitting at the gates? They were gatekeepers. They held access. You know, so the, the point that I'm trying to make is every time the Israelites were in bondage, what did God do? He says, oh, did he just kill Pharaoh and all the Israelites just wandered everywhere they wanted? No, he always raised up a Moses, always raised up a a. a a Samson, always raised up a David, always raised up a Saul, always raised up men to deliver the people. That's how it works. That's God's order, and God doesn't violate that. Even, see, even God, when he wanted to deliver a people, became a man. So God didn't just deliver them from a celestial no, he himself became a man to deliver them. He says he had to take on him the nature of Abraham so that, so that he might become a merciful and faithful high priest in things pertaining to God. So, But look at uh, the book of Revelation. We'll be coming to a close here shortly. It's Revelation chapter 2, verse 20. Revelation chapter 2, verse 20. It says this, uh, Nevertheless, I have this against you. You tolerate that woman Jezebel who calls herself a prophet. By her teaching, she misleads my servants into sexual immorality and the eating of food sacrificed to idols. So, and it says, I have given her time to repent of her immorality, but she is unwilling. So, I will cast her on a bed of suffering, and I will make those who commit adultery with her suffer intensely unless they repent of her ways. I will strike her children dead. Then all the churches will know that I am He who searches hearts and minds, and I will repay each of you according to your deeds. That's heavy stuff. What happened to uh, tolerance? Hey, <laughs> my brothers and sisters, you know the tolerance doctrine comes from LGBT, not Jesus. Yep. That's where it comes. See, people are so duped by these American entertainers behind the pulpits that they think patience with a brother is tolerance of sin. There's a huge difference. The patience and long suffering is a fruit of the spirit. Tolerance is cowardice. That's the difference. Why 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 does God have to be careful to distinguish the two words? Because they're not the same. See, when I'm patient with you, you're patient of my character uh, of my personality. You might not like my personality. And and patience is also displayed when you sin and and I address it. Or another brother sins against you, another sister sins against you, you you address it, you work it out and say, Okay, we're we're moving forward. We're being patient with one another. It, it takes work. It takes energy. It saps energy from, from one another. And then strive to maintain that peace. But see, tolerance is this person is living that way and I'm turning a blind eye to it. I won't address it. We just got to tolerate each other. We got to tolerate each other's sin. No. Mm-mm. See, everybody wants... Tolerance in the household of God, but you won't tolerate stuff in your own house. Won't you tolerate it? Oh, you want God to tolerate stuff in his house, but you won't tolerate stuff in yours. I see. Just, you know, you tolerate people stuffing your toilets and clogging it and, you know, eating all your food that you paid for. Oh, y'all ain't talking. 't you won't you why don't you go? you buy a house, welcome a bunch of homeless people in there drug addicts, gangsters thieves, and you start tolerating stuff see people have big ideas until their ideas manifest in their own life. what happened Amen. you know that that stupid tolerance doctrine has led us to put this per uh, this transgender into a uh, the head of education and stuff like that. And then what happens? America comes to ruins. Amen. You know, I at work, I see a lot of staff, they tolerate certain kids and their behavior. I don't I don't want to be the one to say anything. Okay, well that's why you got a chaotic culture. So, God, see, everybody's against walls. I'm all for Trump building a wall. Now, that doesn't mean that we don't extend grace to foreigners who are willing to comply to our terms. Right? If you meet these standards, you're cool. We'll welcome you in. But when you keep violating these things, don't expect for us to do nothing about it. And so my brothers and sisters, God has given you the jurisdiction of your own life to create borders around your life. And people just want to assume access with you when access is not assumed. It's granted. And you have to be discerning in who you grant access to your life because they may be one of those foreigners, so to speak, that will cause you to intermarry and lead you to their idols to worship them. Amen. But look at at the language of Jesus. Look at what Jesus said. He says, you tolerate that woman Jezebel. So that was an indictment against them, not a praise of them. Jesus did not think that that was a good thing. So my brothers and sisters, who are you tolerating? What wickedness have you let into your life? You may not have committed those sins, but the people that you're introducing and you're tolerant of and you're in participation with are those people. God will be patient with you, but He expects you to cut them out. Amen. Amen. Because your life will will not prosper. Belial means worthless. My brothers and sisters, if you accept a belial in your life, your life will become worthless. But I thought God loved me. Yeah, He is. That's why He's correcting you. Amen. Those whom I love, I also rebuke. And as many as I received as sons, I correct. Right? So the Lord loves you and therefore corrects you. You know, I, I correct my son. And you know what? I'm I'm happy to say he's a phenomenal boy. He has excellent grace. He's well behaved. He's polite. He is he he is he he's a prayer warrior. <laughs> he prays for people. He he prayed uh he, he prays for me, you know, every night. And the point that I'm trying to make, it says train up a child in the ways he should go. And you know what? If you don't, you get all these, these thugs out in Chicago beating up a, a middle-aged woman by herself. That is the result of fatherlessness. That is the result of tolerance. Amen. You know, some someone uh, someone asked Vodi Bakhm. Well, I, I think I think it was him, or he might have said something along these lines. He said, "You know what? God made children to be small." He says because if they weren't, they'd kill you. So. See, God had to temper their rebellion and couple it with a weakness so that they couldn't exercise all that they wanted to selfishly do. That's why they're so weak, because who are the most selfish? Children. They need to be taught not to. Amen? The rod of correction. But the point that I'm trying to make, and this this is a, <clears throat> I know it's a heavy message. But you have to be very careful in discerning who you're welcoming into your life. Because the spirits that they carry will attach themselves to you and all that you do. and and God's blessing cannot reside on that. Don't matter how much you fast, don't matter how much you pray, don't matter it, it see God he, he's very specific about what he wants our lives to look like. And and some people will be sent by the devil to jeopardize that. Amen. And and if you keep believing this false notion that I just got to tolerate or I got to, no, that's a lie. I used to think that way. And then I began to realize that the certain people that I were trying to help in the name of Christ were snakes that bit. Amen. See, Amen. Jesus didn't help everybody. You know that? look it study the gospels and who did jesus help he only helped those who had faith Amen. he did not he wasn't a philanthropist he wasn't uh you know one of these uh, things out in the northern california where they hand out syringe needles to heroin addicts what is that you know come all you can eat any and everybody no See, Jesus wasn't a food distribution center. He gave them the word and preached to them three days. And after three days, then he fed them. That's because they wanted the word more than they wanted food. Now, I'm not saying that we shouldn't give to people. The point that I'm trying to make, it was the people who had faith that he helped, not the unbelieving. And the Bible explicitly tells us that, that he could not do so many good works because of their unbelief. How many times did, did Jesus resist the Pharisees? He never helped the Pharisees, not once. Those proud vipers who were trying to ensnare and conspire against his life. He didn't help. Amen. Oh, well, he prayed for them on the cross. No, he didn't. He prayed for the Romans. Who didn't know that he was the Christ. So, um. We'll read one last verse. It's it's in Second Corinthians. No of um First Corinth uh second Corinthians, I'm sorry. Let me see. It's second Corinthians chapter two verse seven. Oh, let's start at verse 6. The punishment inflicted on him by the majority is sufficient. Now instead you ought to forgive him and comfort him so that he will not be overwhelmed by excessive sorrow. I urge you therefore to reaffirm your love for him. Verse 9. Another reason I wrote to you was to see if you would stand the test and be obedient in everything. Anyone you forgive, I also forgive, And what I have forgiven, if there was anything to forgive, I have forgiven in the sight of Christ for your sake, in order that Satan might not outwit us, for we are not unaware of his schemes. So, remember in the first letter, Paul says in 1 Corinthians chapter 5, expel the evil out from among you. What he was talking about was that sinning person that was sleeping with his stepmom. He says, cut him out. And he says, I've already passed judgment on him. That's what Paul said. Um, and if if you if you want to see the, where that verse is at, I'll just share it. Um, it's in First uh, Corinthians chapter five, verse three. Just so that you know, y'all know that I'm not lying. He says I, I've already passed judgment on him. Um, <clears throat> for for my part even though hold on yeah for my part even though I am not physically present I'm with you in spirit as one who is present with you in this way I have already passed judgment in the name of our Lord Jesus on the one who has been doing this so when you are assembled and I'm with you in spirit and the power of our Lord Jesus is present hand this man over to Satan for the destruction of his of the flesh so that his spirit may be just saved on the day of the Lord now a lot of people don't understand, in Matthew 18, how it says, "Any two or three are gathered, there I am in the midst." You remember that? Matthew 18, "If two or three are gathered, there I am in the midst of them." That's what Jesus said. Paul's saying the same thing, "Even though I am absent, I am with you, wherever there are two or three, and I will and, and the power of the Lord will be present." What he's talking about is saying, look, judgment is on this man excommunicate him right it was a testimony that was established under the testimony of two or three it's not talking about coming in agreement in prayer that's a completely different thing but right here in second corinthians though that man repented and paul said welcome him back and so the the final remarks that i wanted to make about that is that there is forgiveness but forgiveness is not unconditional. The, the the forgiveness, there are conditions, just like the Israelites dis, dispensed of all their idols. It says, Let those who call upon the name of the Lord with a pure heart forsake iniquity. Amen. Right? So someone might want to give you a sob story, but if nothing has changed in their life, then you ain't got to welcome them back. Right? Right? Because some people just are manipulative and will cry crocodile tears because it's not repentance that they're after, it's that they're wanting you. But if they have truly repented and dispensed of their evil, right, they can come into fellowship. Does that make sense? No. Um... Amen. I I know that this is hard, but this will this will spare us from a lot of unnecessary hurt. A lot of unnecessary evil because my brothers and sisters do not tolerate a wicked person in the name of love. Do not tolerate an evil person in the name of love. Amen. You who love the Lord, David says, hate evil. And then what did Jesus says? Unless you're willing to hate your mother and father. He says, hate. it doesn't mean like, you know, I I, I, want to see my, my mom and dad destroyed. No, that means when it comes to the two loyalties, my loyalty is Jesus. And so if there's a conflict between these two, I'm siding with Christ. Amen. 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 And so, what I want us to do.